Glory to Jesus. Luke 21, verse 19. I'm going to be reading verse 19, but we shall also look at some verses in Luke 21 as well, so that you get the whole picture. Luke 21, verse 19. The Bible says, In your passions possess ye your souls. In your passions possess ye your souls. So the title of my message today is Possess Your Souls. Right? Possess Your Souls. Right? So uh, these are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Who said, In your passions possess ye your souls. So if you look closely at that particular verse, it's a very interesting verse, isn't it? Right? Because he's saying, in your patience, possess your souls. So many times we would uh, like to believe that it is the Lord who possesses our souls. Right? It is the Lord who keeps our souls. But here the Lord is saying, in your patience, possess ye your souls. In other words, he's saying we have a part to play, right, in keeping our souls. If you look at those two, you know, there are two key words, right, in that particular verse, which is patience and possess, right? So when we look at patience, right, the Greek word there is upomone, right? It means cheerful or hopeful endurance. So he's saying in your cheerful or hopeful endurance, right? So we are not only talking about uh, endurance where maybe it's said endurance, right? But he's saying that kind of endurance must be cheerful endurance. It doesn't matter what you are going through, but as long as you are in Christ, your endurance must be cheerful and hopeful. Why hopeful? Because you are in Christ, who is our hope, isn't it? There is no other hope that you can get from the world. What has the world promised you? But we know what Christ Jesus has promised us. So our endurance is hopeful. So he says, in your hopeful or a cheerful endurance, possess ye your souls. What is to possess, right? Taomai in Greek, which is to get, to acquire, to own, to obtain or to purchase. Obtain your souls. Purchase your souls. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Guard your souls. Because if you are in possession of something, most times you guard it from being stolen or being taken away or being lost, isn't it? So he is saying, guard your souls. Right? Preserve your souls. I like the rendering of uh, the ESV version, which says, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. My God, look at that. By your endurance. You know, most times uh, 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 we, we say that because we have believed in Christ, then we are secure forever, isn't it? Which is true, but we shouldn't miss the whole picture. Because when you are in Christ, right, it's not only the decision that you make, right, to receive Christ, that will make sure that you inherit eternal life. But whatever you do each and every day is a bearing on your eternal destination. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's why Jesus is saying, in your endurance, possess your souls. Guard your souls. Protect your souls. Preserve your souls. What we do in the present affects our what? Our life. It affects our salvation. It affects our eternity. You know, we can't have Christians who give their lives to Christ and then uh, 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 live anyhow. We cannot have such a thing, isn't it? At one time, the apostles would say, how come we continue to live in sin after we have believed in the Lord. Which means there is a certain kind of life that is expected when you believe in the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, uh, uh, more on that later. 
there is an interesting observation that I've seen, right? In verse 16 and verse 18. The Bible in verse 16 is saying, uh, uh, the, 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 the last part of it, it's saying some of you they will put to death. Interesting. Then verse 18 says, but not a hair of your head will perish. So Luke 21 is just like Matthew 24, right? The context is Jesus talking about persecution, uh, 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 the end times and the coming of Christ, isn't it? Right? But I want you to notice something. For example, I'll read to you verse 12, which says, But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Now, I want you to think very carefully. Did this not happen to Paul, for example? You know, we are studying the book of Acts, isn't it? When I read verse 12, did you not see how Paul went through all these things? Paul was uh, uh, brought before kings. He, he was brought into prisons. He was brought before rulers for my name's sake. That happened to him, isn't it? Then verse 13, it says, And it shall turn to you for a testimony. <laughs> Right? So Paul managed to testify before people like Felix and Festus and King Agrippa as Jesus had said before. So this is not only talking about the end, end times, but these are things that saints will, what, will uh, uh, encounter throughout the, what, the course uh, uh, of the church, throughout the time period that the church is here. Right? They will experience these things, right? Then, in the verse that I read in verse 16, right? It says, and you shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends. And some of you shall they cause to be put to death. Look at this. They shall cause to be put to death. But this verse is now interesting. Verse 18. But there shall not a hair of your head perish. How can the Lord say, there shall not be a hair of your head that shall perish when some are being put to death. Because if Peter is put to death or a Paul is put to death, then yes, he is, or, or, he is uh, 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 more than, right? I, I'm, I'm looking at a situation where it's not only a hair of his head that has perished. It's his whole body that has perished, isn't it? When he has been put to death, isn't it? It seems like that. It appears like that. But Jesus is saying, not even a hair of your head will perish. So that means he's not even counting physical death as loss. Are you hearing what I'm saying? To him, physical death is not even a loss. So if some of them are put to death, this statement remains true. Not even a hair on their head is what? Has perished. Not even a hair is what? Has perished. So Jesus here is talking about eternal life. When he says possess your souls, guard your souls. He is saying possess your souls and guard your souls unto eternal life. Because no matter what happens in this earth, no matter what happens to you, not even a hair on your head will perish. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. You know, before you, uh, you knew Christ, you were lost. Before you knew Christ, you were a lost soul, right? You were a lost soul. You were lost, but now you are what? You are found. Jesus is the one who sought you out and found you. You know, just like uh, a man looks for his uh, uh, own lost sheep, isn't it? When one of the sheep is lost, the owner will go out, search it out, and find it. 
So that is the same way that Jesus found you out. He sought you out and found you out because you were like a lost sheep. You were like a lost soul. Just like that woman searches for a lost coin, isn't it? And finds it. That is how Jesus searched you out and found you. So now that you are found, right? And now you are in Christ. You are now in possession of your soul, isn't it? You are in possession of your soul. In other words, you are saying you now have life which you didn't have when your soul was lost. And because you now have life in Christ, what it means is that you have to keep it that way. You have to keep that status quo of being found. Oh my God, are you hearing this? You know, there are others who have a tendency of saying, ah, I have been found. Then I, I get lost again. Then we, we, we try to find you. You are found. You get lost again. <laughs> so we are saying, no, don't get lost. When you have been found, you have to keep it that way. In patience, you must what? Possess your soul. As the Lord said. You must guard your soul. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. So, it's very possible for you to lose your soul, isn't it? You know, I, I know there are a lot of arguments uh, concerning these things. To say when a person has been saved, can that person be lost again? Right? But the scriptures are very clear about it. When Jesus himself says in your patience, keep your souls, what does he mean? In your patient endurance, preserve your souls. What does he mean? Which means it's so important. Patience is important. That patience, uh, patient endurance is so important for you to be able to what? To keep your soul. You know, if you say you love Jesus today and tomorrow you wake up and you say, I no longer want him. What keeps him holding on to you when you say, I no longer want him? Because remember, the bond is on love, isn't it? Are you hearing what I'm saying? If a person who wants love wakes up to, uh, today and says, I no longer want you, I no longer love you, what can you do to change uh, 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 what they say? And what can you do to change how they feel? You get what I mean? That's why the Lord, when he spoke to the church at Ephesus, he spoke about the first love. The first love that the saints had when they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what he was insisting on. It is to remain that first love. In Jesus' name, amen. So patience, patience plays a very, very important role in keeping your souls. And unfortunately, we have a lot a lot of Christians who are not patient. <laughs> Many people call them microwave Christians, isn't it? They papo papo Christians. They want things papo papo. So you are going to find out that even their Christians, Christian lives, they are not strong because they are not patient. But the Apostle James says, patience makes you perfect. It does make you perfect. In other words, patience matures you. It matures you in your faith. You know, we have certain Christians who are always looking for something new, isn't it? Something new. They, they, they quickly get bored. Even in church, they quickly get bored because there's, there seems to be nothing new that they are excited about. But is that what the Christian faith is like? They are always searching for a new revelation. They are searching for where they can find a new revelation. But you know, in searching for all these new revelations, that's when you get lost. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because there are people who also know that they are Christians who like to hear new things all the time. So they go out there and manufacture new things. 
They come out with things which they call revelations, but they are not revelations. They are actually deceiving the flock. The Lord called them the deep things of Satan. So they come with the deep things of Satan into the church, and then they say it's a revelation. <laughs> and people go, wow, 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 wow. But these are the deep things of Satan. You know, the word of God is so simple and it's so straightforward that sometimes we don't have to confuse ourselves with these new revelations. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. They will continually bring those things. They will continually bring, try to bring, you know, entertainment into the church so that you... you, you you, 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 you are entertained. Eh? They want to keep you entertained because that's what you want. Right? Your flesh is craving for what? For attention. So they will bring these things to you because you are not patient. You know, a Christian who has read the word, a Christian who has heard the word, a Christian who has understood the word, that person does not need to keep what? Being entertained. He's not a person who keeps on looking for new things. Is there a new thing that I must hear? Is there a new thing in the church? No, the word remains the same. The Lord Jesus remains the same. The faith remains the same. You simply need to do what the word says you must do. I want you to, 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 to hear this now. We have people who always want to hear a new thing, isn't it? So that they can tickle their ears. That's all. So that at the end of the day, you say, wow, that sermon was powerful. That's all. Wow, man of God, you really blessed me. That's all. <laughs> but the question is, what do you do after? Because the Bible says when you just hear and you don't do, then you are deceiving yourself. So, uh, the goal of preaching the word is not just for you people to hear the word. It's for you to hear and then do, isn't it? So, when you hear the word of God, yes, it's powerful. How do you apply it? What do you do with the word? The application part is the most important part. You can hear, you can enjoy the word, that's all. But we need you to do. We need application. Come on. We need you to do the word. You just want to hear a new revelation because you don't want to do. <laughs> If you really wanted to do, then you are not concerned about new revelations and new things. You are worried about doing the word. You know, some people will say, ah, I've read the Bible from cover to cover. I know it. I know a lot of things in the word of God. There's nothing new in it, you know. But the question is not whether you've read cover to cover. Right? It's not about how many sermons you have heard. The question is, have you done what the word says you must do? Have you obeyed the word? So, when Jesus spoke this statement, you know, he was speaking to Christians who would undergo very severe trials. Right? Because you are supposed to be firm, right? In all kinds of temptations, in all kinds of delays or trials or so forth. But a microwave Christian cannot be patient in all these things. That's why the Bible, you know, the Bible speaks about the great falling away. You have heard about it, isn't it? The great falling away. Why is it called the great falling away? Because... The bulk of people who call themselves Christians, they are going to fall away. Most of them. And what will be left is what is called the remnant. 
And who are these people who are going to fall away? These are the people that I'm talking about. People who do not have root in themselves. People who have no patience. People who cannot persevere. People who are not able to possess or guard their souls. These microwave, ipapo ipapo Christians, they will fall away. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. So, as we saw, Paul went through many of these trials, right? He went through many of these trials as recorded in the book of Acts. But he's a good example of a person who possessed his soul and kept his soul. In patient endurance, he kept his soul. That's why at the end, what did he say? He said, I have run my race, isn't it? And I have kept the faith. I want you to mark those words. I have kept the faith. What would have happened if he did not keep the faith? That means you would have failed to possess his wife. His soul. You would have failed to preserve his soul or guard his soul. Pusitara Jesu, amen. That's why he managed to say that. I've kept the faith. So possessing your soul is the same as keeping the faith, keeping your soul. Because if you don't keep it, you will what? You will be lost. And one of the things that causes people to be lost is materialism, right? You place a disproportionate importance to material things in your life. Because you think life is about material things. The reason people uh, neglect the faith is because they give disproportionate what? importance to material things. But if you follow the life of Paul, he is a man who did not give importance to material things. He even warned people about material things. Are you getting what I'm saying? Many times when we hear him talking about, uh, for example, money, right? When we hear him talking about it, he talks about it in the context where he works with his own hands so that he can what? He can be able to support himself and propagate the gospel. You get what I'm saying? And then he urges the church to work with their own hands so that they may feed themselves. Are you getting this? So, he places an importance on working so that you may be able to take care of yourselves. But he does not place an importance, right, on working, for example, or uh, uh, trying to gain wealth so that you become rich or wealthy. He does not put an importance on that. He even warns people about what? Wanting to be rich. I'm not dissuading you. If you want to be rich, be rich, isn't it? But he specifically mentioned the dangers of wanting to be rich. <laughs> there are dangers involved. So the world does not care about these dangers because that is their ultimate goal of wanting to be rich. But Christians... Our goal, our ultimate goal is not to be rich. It's unfortunate we have people who have these messages and who are preaching these messages in the church, but that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is something that is coming from the pit of hell. Come on. Because you cannot support it with the word of God. 
What did Jesus say in Matthew 6? Go and read Matthew 6 right now. And listen to the words of what? Of Jesus Christ. Go and read uh, 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 the books of Timothy. Isn't it? My God. What did uh, Paul say concerning these things? Go and read. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Go, you know, most people don't want uh, 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 to hear these things because that's what they want. That is what they are pursuing in this life. So you are pursuing Christ, but you are also pursuing other things. But as you are pursuing other things, you have to be very careful about how you pursue these things so that you stay in the context of what the Bible says. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So you can read, for example, First uh, uh, Timothy chapter 6, right? It talks about these things, right? You can also uh, uh, read Second Timothy as well, right? It talks about these things. So Paul was warning Timothy about these things. So I talked about the coming apostasy where many people are going to be what? To be lost. So if you read chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, you also hear about these things. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. But 1 Timothy chapter 6, that's where there's the exhortation to godliness with contentment. It's so important. If the Lord lifts you up, praise God, isn't it? Praise God. But we have people who are, uh, chase after being rich so relentlessly that it begins to hurt their faith. They begin to compromise. You are not possessing your soul in patience if you are doing such things. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now, listen to what Paul says. If it was not Paul who wrote these things, if we say them today, people will say we are not preaching the gospel. No one will listen to us, isn't it? Mm. So he says, uh, verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we carry nothing out. And having food and clothes, let us be there with content. If it was not Paul who wrote this. <laughs> Verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hateful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. You hear this? He says, but they that will be rich fall into temptation. So if you become rich, for example, there are no two ways about it. You will fall into some temptations, which will probably not be for poor men. <laughs> Come on. And a snare, and into many foolish and hateful us. Many foolish and hateful us. Many foolish and hateful us. You get this? You know, there are some people who say uh, 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 your real character will come out when you become rich, when money increases in your life. That's when your real character comes out. If you didn't have money, sometimes you will be so humble. But the moment you become rich, that's when the pride starts coming out. Come on. That's when you want many wives now. Because you now have a lot of money. That's where Paul is saying what? Many foolish and hateful us. Which drown men in destruction and perdition. Destruction and what? And perdition. What is perdition? It's when your soul is lost. Oh my God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why Jesus is saying possess. Because if you don't possess your soul, your soul can be lost. So these things, these hateful and foolish lusts can cause your soul to be lost. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, while some coveted after, 
Don't we have people in the church who covet after? You get this? They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. They have erred from the faith. So these things have been written by the Apostle Paul. Not by me. I'm just preaching them. But as I said, these are some of the verses that are not very popular. But since we are talking about possessing your soul, it's so important. These verses are so important. Because if you look at things that cause uh, 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 many people's souls to be lost, these things, these things are the ones that cause many people's souls to be lost. Because they begin to enjoy, right, materialism, isn't it? They begin to enjoy the things of this world. And begin to see uh, the faith is something that is actually pulling them back. Because they, they thought worshipping God brings gain in this world. We have a lot of people who do that. Who think that worshipping God is a means to gain. If I give God, then he multiplies and gives me back. You see how uh, uh, these things are actually... Uh, against the things that Jesus was speaking. Even when we talk about this verse, which he says, in your patience, possess your souls. My God, I know many people don't want to hear this. Even Jesus himself said, wow, how difficult it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. I want you to go and study why he said it. And you are going to find out why he said it's what? It's very difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's very difficult. And I'll just give you maybe one clue, for example, so that you may understand what I'm saying. For example, selfishness. If you have too many things for yourself, or are too many things that you have amassed for yourself, and you are keeping those things, is that not selfishness? Because there are too many people who need those things, but you are keeping them, and you are saying, I'm rich. Which is not God's character. Oh my God, are you hearing what I'm Can I go deeper there? You are keeping them. You know, many times... Uh, Jesus would encounter some people, right? <laughs> Who would want to follow him? And what did he say to them? He said, if you want to follow me, go and sell everything that you have and come and follow me. And I tell you the truth that if Jesus was here on earth during this time, you would say the same statement to many people. Those people that you rank, you know, uh, I know they are like uh, lists, like uh, Forbes lists, for example. And many lists in the world where they rank people according to wealth. Uh, the richest man is Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, and so forth. If you come to Zimbabwe, they will tell you so and so and is the richest, isn't it? If Jesus would meet any one of those men today, and the man would say, I want to follow you. He might probably say, I want you to what? To take most of your wealth and give to the poor. Most of your wealth. You get this? So at the end of the day, you might not be uh, the richest man any longer or among the richest. But what is Jesus' lesson? He's saying any man who is in Christ cannot amass wealth for himself to the extent where he becomes selfish with that wealth and he calls himself rich. When there is someone who cannot even afford a meal, who cannot even afford clothes, people are naked out there, people have no clothes. 
Jesus, when he moved around, he moved around with some money, isn't it? Which he used to actually give to the poor. But he himself, he said, I don't have anywhere to, to, what? to lay my head. And we have so many preachers who are trying very hard to prove that Jesus was rich. We have them. Can you also prove that Paul was rich? Or Peter was rich? It's not about what they had. It's about what the truth is and what, uh, 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 the, what is the truth that Jesus himself preached. What is the truth that the Apostle Paul preached? So when we seek to have, it's not about seeking to be rich. It's about seeking to have what? To have what we need in this world. And when you seek to be rich, or rather maybe, okay, we have some people who are rich, who are in the church, who actually believe, isn't it? Paul also wrote to, the, uh, to those people. He's saying share. That's what he said. Share with those that don't have. That is how being rich will begin to make sense in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You know, I've spoken a lot about being rich. Because Christians even admire people who are so rich out there in the world. But is there anything to admire? Is there anything to admire? If they are not in Christ, what is there to admire? They are just lost souls that also need to be what? To be saved. You know, you should probably read Mark chapter 8 from verse 34, right? I'll just quickly read through to remind you of what Jesus said, you know. Sometimes when we preach this gospel today and in this day and hour, it seems to be strange, isn't it? Seems to be strange. It's like an outdated gospel. <laughs> but this is the gospel. This is the gospel that will save your soul. This is the gospel that will guard your soul. This is the gospel that will save your soul. Jesus said, and when he called uh, and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Right? For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Look at this. Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels. Listen to that. Not only losing your life, but losing your life for my sake. And for the gospels, the same shall save it. So if we have a man who put aside his own desires for the sake of Christ and the gospel, that is the person who will save his life. Now you understand why Paul lived like he did. Now you understand why the apostles lived like they did. They lost their lives. They put aside their lives for the sake of the gospel. The gospel became the central point of their lives. Everything revolved around Christ. Everything revolved around the gospel. Check your life and see. Where your life revolves around. Where is your life revolving around? <laughs> Does it revolve around your faith in Jesus Christ? Or it revolves around the world? It revolves around your... You know, there are a lot of people whose life revolves around their friends. In other words, their friends are the ones who determine how you live. Their friends are the ones who determine how what they live. The interests of their friends, that is what drives the way they live. But if you are like that, have you denied yourself? Have you denied yourself? 
Verse 36. For what shall it profit a man? Right? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. What shall it profit a man? Because people are what? Are in a race to gain the whole world. When we actually put that list to say the richest is the second, they are, they are trying to gain the world. <laughs> and this day and hour you are dreaming of saying, how can I be rich? How can, it's not about how can I be rich. Start thinking about how you can serve Christ better. Think about how you can be a better servant. How you can be a better believer. If you are a husband, it's better to think about how you can be a better husband. If you are a wife, how can you be a better wife? If you are a child, how can I be a better child? Because you can have all the money that you can have in this life, but you have a terrible family life. You know, we have people who are living in the fringes of society. People whom you, you, you can call poor. Right? But if you go right now and begin to look, the, uh, look at them, they are happier than those that have a lot of things in their life. We have someone who has a mansion right now, but he cannot go to his house. If he starts, starts thinking of going to his house, he's saying, Eish, I'm not even uh, in good books with my wife. I'm not even in good books with my husband. How can I even go home? So that mansion which is supposed to bring happiness is like a prison. <laughs> Look at this. So I want you to consider what real life is. So he says, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So someone must think carefully because we have people who have this tendency of Loving the world so much that they give up the faith. Loving the world so much that they don't even want to attend services. Or hear the gospel anymore. If there is a service, if a service, for example, coincides with a soccer match, they'd rather watch a soccer match and not go to, to, to a service. We have people like that, isn't it? They love the world so much that they actually put the world ahead of the things of Christ. Verse 37, Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What can you give in exchange for your soul? So if you look at the apostles, they are men who, what, who possess their soul because there was nothing they could give in exchange of their soul. There was nothing. So even when they, they were tried, even when the Jews threatened to kill them, they would simply say, you can go ahead because there is nothing that I can give in exchange for my soul. I'd better possess my soul. I'd better guard my soul. Verse 38. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angel. So he's saying this is a what? An adulterous and sinful generation. The Apostle Peter also says, save yourselves. From this generation, save yourselves. So my question to you is, how do you save yourself? When the apostles are saying, save yourselves from this generation. How do you save yourself? So you have to know the characteristics of this world. And you have to know how the world is trying to drive you to perdition. Are you getting this? Driving you to being lost. And the world will try to entice you with different things. Different kinds of things. You know, I have a lot to talk about concerning these things. But I'm sure I will talk about them, how the world is trying to entice people into the world, to entice Christians, I mean, into the, back into the world, 
how they are trying to, 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 to uh, not trying, but how they are attacking the Christian faith so much through media. So much. Until certain people begin to think that, you know, uh, uh, Christianity is the real problem in this earth. Christianity is what is causing all these problems. But that is a message for another day. But this is the constant message that these people are keeping on bombarding us with through media. And as a Christian, you have to be vigilant concerning these things. And you must notice these things from afar as they are presented to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Right. So there are things in this world that war against the soul. Remember, we are talking about possessing your soul, guarding your soul, isn't it? So when you are a person who is guarding their soul and protecting their soul, you must know that there are things that war against your soul. Just like the, like the apostle Peter said, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Fleshly lust. You know, I don't have to talk about them. You know them, isn't it? You know them. These are the things which the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, which you are going to begin to study soon. He said, if you don't put to death these desires of the body, then you shall die. You get this? How do you die? Because you allow the things that war against the soul to actually what? Put your soul to death. When you allow them to war against your soul, then you are not possessing your soul. You are not guarding your soul. You are not preserving your soul. A person who preserves their soul must put to death these things. You must quickly notice the effect they have on your soul. Jesus says in patience, you must what? In patience, you must what? Possess your soul. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Even the Lord himself tries to speak to us and warn us concerning these things. Because they will end up bringing you down to the pit or down to hell. In the Old Testament, when you read the, the, those words, bringing you down to the pit or bringing someone down to the pit. He's talking about someone going down to hell. You get this? So even Job says, God speaks once, yet twice, yet man does not perceive it. So he, God tries to speak many times to you, but man does not take notice. Man does not perceive. And why does he do that? Verse 18 says, he, uh, uh, he keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the, by the sword. So when he tries to speak to you, whether in dreams or visions, when you sleep, right, then he opens the ears of men and tries to speak to them so that he can withdraw them from his purpose and to hide pride from them. So as he does that, what is he trying to do? He's trying to keep your soul back from the pit. He's trying to keep your soul from the pit. So those that keep their soul, they are people who are keeping their souls from the what? From the pit. They are preserving their souls so that they don't go down to the pit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So when we listen to God's word, when we listen to his voice, then we preserve our souls. We preserve our what? Our souls. You know, this message is just an extension of the message that I was preaching last week when I was talking about standing fast in your salvation and standing firm. It's important to stand firm. So I'm just extending on that same message. 
It's like it's part two of that same message because you need to understand why it's important to guard your soul. When you stand firm, you are guarding your soul. You get this? And when you guard your soul, then you stand firm in the faith. You can only be unmovable if you are, you stand firm in patient endurance. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So I'm going to uh, finish off or end with one parable that I want you to hear, right? Called the parable of the rich fool. The parable of, of the rich fool. In Luke chapter 12 from verse 15. The Bible says, and he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. Coveting. How many times do we covet other people's things? Whenever we see nice things, we are sure to comment. Isn't it? Whether it's a beautiful car we see, people say, wow, if I only had that car. If we see mansions, if only. Jeff Bezos is the richest, if only I was Bezos. Covetousness. You get what I'm saying? You, you, you end up wishing you were someone else. <laughs> huh? You cannot look down upon yourself so much as to wish you were someone else. You don't have to wish to be someone else. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So he says, Unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Listen to that. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. But most of the people, they think a man's life consists in the abundance of things that he possesses. And even as Christians, we are so deceived concerning this that we measure ourselves by the things that we possess. And we are in a race, one to achieve better than the other. To say I have better things than him, I have more things than him, I have accomplished much than him. It doesn't consist in the abundance of the things that uh, a man possesses. So he then speaks about this parable of this certain rich man whose land brought forth plentifully, right? Who then says within himself, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? Right? So he says, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater and there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. You see what I'm talking about? He is plentiful, and then he says, what shall I do? But rather than thinking about helping others, what does he do? He says, I am going to, what, to build bigger barns and put that food in there and keep it for myself. Verse 19, and I will say to my soul, look at this, he is saying to his soul, so he's a man who is trying to preserve his own soul. But then Jesus says, you will lose it. Then he says to my soul, so he even uh, 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 addressed his own soul. And I will say to my soul, so <laughs> thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, zikama, eat, drink, and be merry. He's saying, I have food laid up for what? For many years. We have, a, we have people who are like this. We have millions in their accounts. Billions in their accounts. And they are saying, so relax. Eat. You have food laid up for many years. You see that selfishness that I was talking about. 
You are just thinking of yourself. People are dying. Do you know that even in this country we have people who have so much money that they can even give every person in this country some money and they will still have some money left over? All these things of saying uh, in hospitals we don't have medicine, we, 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 we can't pay doctors or nurses, we can't pay teachers. We have someone in Zimbabwe, we have so much money that he can actually do all those things himself and still have money left over. Even uh, when we talk about this COVID-19 thing, I actually saw a statement where they are actually seeking donations for what? For COVID-19. But we have people even in government, we have people in this country who have so much money that they can even buy those vaccines <laughs> without even saying, please give us donations and whatever and whatever. They have, they have those monies stashed somewhere. Some have those monies stashed in offshore accounts. Some of the money is even stolen. Rich fools, right? Rich fools. But yet we have people who are what? Who are uh, admiring them. But they are rich fools. It's better to be what? Poor and wise than to be rich and be a fool. So he was not a fool because he could not think. He was not a fool because he couldn't strategize. He was not a fool because... Uh, 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 he was a manager, you know. He was not a fool because uh, uh, he was learned. No, he had all those things, right? He was a sharp man. He could be someone wearing a suit. Which people salute. But in God's eyes, that person is a rich fool. He's a fool. <laughs> the soul that you are saying sit down and relax and enjoy yourself then the Lord saying this night this night that soul shall be required of thee so if you are a man who has not kept his soul a man who has not preserved his soul a man who has not possessed his soul when that soul right time is up when the Lord says this night these things that you have, whose shall they be? That's why he said a man's life does not consist in the things that he has. What is most important is your relationship with God. That is what you have to build. That is what you have to, what, to focus on. That is what is the most important thing to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So he says, so is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Someone who lays treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So my question is, in whatever we are trying to do, if we are trying to, to, to uh, find a means to live, we thank God, amen. We thank God because the Bible says we must work with our own hands and provide for our own selves. But if you are a man who is trying to lay up treasure for himself, just like this rich fool, a man who is not rich towards God, then you are also a rich fool. So when we read the Bible, we need to understand these things. To say when Jesus says, possess your soul, guard your soul, protect yourself, what is he talking about? And you have to evaluate your life to say, where am I? What am I doing? How am I living my life? Am I guarding my soul? Am I possessing my soul? In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So as I conclude my message, the Apostle Paul said, the very God of peace, may the very God of peace sanctify you whole. May he make you holy. May he separate you, right? 
And he says, I pray, uh, God, your whole spirit, soul, and the body be preserved, blameless, unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he is saying, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved. This is his prayer to the Lord, isn't it? That you are preserved, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved, blameless, until the coming of the Lord. So it's important for you to be blameless unto the coming of the Lord. We can't live anyhow, right? And the Lord comes and he finds us like that. If he finds us like that, then we would not have possessed our souls. We would not have guarded our souls. We would not have preserved our souls. This is the importance of what? Of patient endurance. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. We have to be found blameless. Through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 